It's the Kyle Hyman Show on Redeemer Radio. Many of his disciples returned to their former way of life and no longer accompanied him. Sad. What's sad about that? Well, he lost lots of his disciples, and now he only has 12. Hi, I'm Kyle Hyman. And I'm Sebastian Hyman. And this is Catholicism with my dad. Yep. Well, the show's called Catholicism with my kid. Yeah, whatever. Welcome to another episode. Last time, Sebastian, do you remember we talked about the feeding of the 5,000? Yeah. There were four things that Jesus did to the bread. Do you remember? He broke it, he blessed it, and gave it. Very good. You forgot took. He takes it, he blesses it, he breaks it, and give it. Very good. That's good. Three out of four. That's good. So whenever we talked about that, you launched into what we hear at Mass every Sunday, and it comes from the Last Supper, which is a connection that a lot of people have made between the feeding of the 5,000 and the Eucharist. In fact, that chapter where it came from in John, remember it's in all four Gospels, but John chapter 6 starts with feeding of the 5,000, and then it tells a short story about Jesus walking on water. And then it goes into what's called the Bread of Life Discourse. And that starts in John chapter 6, verse 22. And in the Bread of Life Discourse, it's a little bit different because this is not the Last Supper. It happens in a different place. You read this already. Do you remember where it happens? In something that has a crazy name. Uh Uh-huh. So it's in a synagogue in Capernaum. There's a bunch of disciples there, not just the twelve but even more. And he's starting to explain what's going to happen at the Last Supper. They don't realize this at the time, but he's explaining this. And so he talks about Moses giving us bread from heaven. There's a story from the Old Testament about manna coming from the heavens. Mm -hmm. And then he says, but God is going to provide true bread from heaven. So then he says, for the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So what's that? It's when he comes down. Who? Jesus. Right. So Jesus is this bread, but they don't get that yet, right? So they said, Sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am Am the bread. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hunger, and whoever believes in me will never thirst. Okay? So he's setting this up. He's the bread of life. And we have this eternal life. We never hunger. We never thirst when we have Jesus. So it goes on a little bit. And then he continues to say things like, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the desert, but they died. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. The bread that I will give is my flesh for the life of the world. So he keeps repeating over and over that he's the bread of life, right? He's the bread from heaven, meaning this is important. And also that it's not a joke. It's not just something he's passing over lightly, but you need to pay attention and he's serious. So right now it just seems like this is symbolic, right? Jesus is like bread. And there's other times that he said things like that, like I am the vine or I am the gate. And both of those times he's talking symbolically. He's not really a vine, (laughs) Jesus isn't really a gate. But this time is different. Usually whenever he's talking about symbols, everybody understands that he's talking symbolically. And if there's confusion, like when the woman 
goes to the well and he's talking about the living water. I am the living water. He clarifies that he's talking symbolically. Or whenever he's talking with Nicodemus and they're talking about being born again, like how could somebody be born again? How do they would how do they go back into the womb and, and then be born? he clarifies? Right, right. And so if there's confusion, Jesus is going to clarify. So let's see what happens here. The Jews quarreled among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So they're already taking him literally. If he's talking about we have to eat his flesh, uh, how is that going to work? If there's if he's talking symbolically, then they can understand that. Yes, I understand. We need to receive the word of God into our hearts symbolically. Yes, we can do this. But they start quarreling. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? And so instead of clarifying, say, nope, I'm just uh, I'm just giving you an analogy here. This is like the vine. This is like the gate. It's, I'm not talking literally. He doesn't say that. Instead, he says... Amen, amen, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life within you. So he's doubling down on this, right? Yep. Not only that, he like triples down, quadruples down, whatever five oh times my. down is. Because <laughs> whatever five times he keeps down on is. saying, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. He says, my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. You see, he's saying this over and over again in slightly different ways, but he's always saying, if you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you will have eternal life. And the word he uses here for eat is different than he's used in other parts of the Bible. If you go back to the Greek, they have multiple words for eat. And here he's using a word that says in the footnotes here, it says it's like an animal eating munch or gnaw, really eating on flesh. So it's kind of a graphic way to explain it. And he's saying it over and over and over again. And it's getting repetitive. And people are having a hard time with this. In fact, they say, this saying is hard. Who can accept it? It's, it's kind of hard to believe that we're supposed to eat the flesh of Jesus. Especially if Jesus is standing in front of you saying, you need to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Like, what? This, is, this saying is hard. Who can, who can believe this? Who could follow this? Who can accept it? So instead, he has a chance to clarify, but instead, what does he do? He doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't. He says, does this shock you? Yeah, it kind of does shock us. <laughs> so he asks if it shocks them. And instead of saying, this is just a symbol, again, he has a chance to do that. He says, you really need to believe this. And it says, as a result of this, Many of his disciples returned to their former way of life and no longer accompanied him. Sad. What's sad about that? Well, he lost lots of his disciples, and now he only has 12. So it's sad for him that he lost these disciples, but it's also sad for them that they left Jesus because of this teaching. And it's sad today when people leave the Catholic Church because of the teaching in that God is truly present in the Eucharist and people leave the church because they don't understand that or find it hard to believe because this teaching is hard. It says it right here in John chapter six. Yeah, it's a hard teaching, but Jesus doesn't say, okay, so then let's just make it a symbol. No, he says, this is true. This is real. And when people are leaving, instead of grabbing them and clarifying and saying, hey, guys, guys, you're misunderstanding. I'm speaking symbolically here. Come on back. This isn't that hard to understand. 
It's easy to understand the body and blood as a symbol. It's hard to understand it being actually the body and blood of Jesus. So instead of having them come back and telling them, hey, this is just a symbol, he turns to the 12 that are still there and he says, do you also want to leave? But Peter says, Master, to whom shall we go? Right. He says to Jesus, where else would we go? He said, you have the words of eternal life. So he's not saying, I get it. What What's so hard about this? He's saying, I, look, this, this is tough, but where else would we go? You are Jesus. There's something amazing about you. We want to follow you. And we're not going to leave you over this teaching. And so... For us, when we have a hard time understanding church teaching, instead of just leaving, we got to say, where else are we going to go? The church that Jesus established 2,000 years ago that was teaching about the Eucharist from the very beginning, there's quotes from saints from the first century, the second century, talking about the true presence of Jesus in the Eucharist, talking about Mass, having communion at Mass. And in fact, in the Council of Trent, it says, in the sacrament of the most holy Eucharist are contained truly, really, and substantially the body and blood, together with the soul and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ, and consequently the whole Christ. So in the Eucharist, at Mass, we have the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. It's no longer bread after the priest blesses it, actually after Jesus is blessing it through the priest, right? Because the, the priest is in persona Christi in the person of Christ. And so he takes, he blesses, he breaks, and he gives the bread, which becomes the body of Christ. And if that's hard for us to understand, that's okay. It's a very difficult thing for anybody to understand. We probably won't fully understand it in this lifetime. It's a mystery, but we we can be sure that it's true, that Jesus is present in the Eucharist in a very real way, that it's not symbolic, but it actually becomes the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. Even if it still looks like bread, even if it still looks like wine, it is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. And it's a hard teaching. People walked away from it. In the Last Supper, he kind of goes into more detail about how you're supposed to continue doing this after, do this in memory of me, or do this in remembrance of me. We have to be like the disciples who said, we're not going to leave you over this. We're going to stay with you. And it's a great blessing that we have in the Catholic Church that we have the real presence and that we're able to actually not only see it at Mass, but receive it into us. We can go up for communion. We can receive the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. So while Moses gave them manna from the sky, Jesus gives us his own body and blood, the living bread, the bread of heaven. So do you think it's hard to understand the teaching on the Eucharist? Yeah. But yeah. do you believe it anyway? Yeah. Yeah. What do they call it whenever the priest changes the bread into the body of Jesus? Um, Begins with a T. Transubstantiation. Right. I think that was a like a bonus word at some point. <laughs> For like spelling or yeah, something? Yeah. Well, good. It's a big word that means that although it looks like bread looks like wine it's actually changed its substance into the body and blood of jesus and there's been all kinds of miracles maybe we'll talk about that someday different miracles that have happened around the eucharist and that it's actually changed into flesh and things like that 
It's kind of crazy. But different signs to remind us, no, this is real. It's okay. Keep believing. All right. So again, people can go find this in John chapter six, starting with verse 22, the bread of life discourse. And the part where the disciples walk away is actually verse 66. So people leave and it's sad for them. It's sad for the church when people leave the church. And that's John chapter six, verse 66. Six, six, six. Yeah. So some people say that 666 is the saddest part in the Bible. Well, that verse is a very sad part. But some people say 666 is a number for the devil. I don't think that's necessarily why that lines up there, but it's a a way that you can remember that part of the Bible. Okay. All right. Well, thanks, Sebastian. This has been a lot of fun. Hope you learned something. Keep believing. Keep believing what? In Christ. Okay, good. (laughs) Not unicorns? No. UFOs? No. Well, Jesus. Well, maybe UFOs. Maybe UFOs. <laughs> Ancient aliens. Jane. <laughs> yeah, you're a big fan, aren't you? Yeah. Leave the ancient aliens part in. That's going to be good.